0: Good morning, everybody. That's the type of hymn that you should have when Graham's preaching. <laughs> He's the one that gets excited. <laughs> OK, thanks very much, Mel. Well, good morning, everyone. I've got to compete this morning uh, with the smell of onions and sausages, so uh, maybe they should come in and take your orders. And <laughs> OK, if you're wondering where I've been the last five weeks, I've just uh, Returned from Papua New Guinea seven years ago when I retired from full time ministry. I went up to PNG and in an isolated place where we'd been missionaries, but more isolated up into the hills behind us. I uh, supervised building a church and a school. And just about every 12 months, I've been going back and adding more to the school. But because it's on a, a fairly isolated uh, and narrow Uh, mountain top, space is short and it's concerned me with the the success of the school how it's growing uh, with health reasons so I went up to build a septic toilet and a a water system to supply all that and was able to achieve that in the five weeks that I was there. I lived 30 days consecutively in the village it was fantastic Uh, the weather was paradise actually I've never been up there with such mild weather it was just uh, great. I was able to achieve everything as well as that, go out to different villages and speak into about 20 different places um, while I was there. I just had a great time. I arrived on uh, the 29th, 30th of July and was able to purchase everything in WeWAC that we needed and hire two trucks. One of those trucks I went on that day and the next day, uh, the bigger truck was coming with all the tanks and all the equipment and wondered how it was going to get up to the mountaintop because it's quite steep. I don't know why people want to go four-wheel driving. If you just want to come on a missions trip with me, you'll come back and you'll be quite satisfied with <laughs> smooth bitumen roads. Um, well, I went down to meet, about 10 k's away, to meet this truck when it was coming on the motorbike and uh, led it up and then got out of the way. I had, I thought this is. there was a massive rain that morning, there's no way this truck can get up the top of this mountain, but I didn't realise it was this massive four-wheel drive truck uh, with four massive big wheels, like two at the back and two at the front, and it just went up that hill as if it was nothing. I was so glad because we would have had to carry all the materials, or well, not me, but the, the village people would have had to carry all the material up but uh, we achieved everything uh, went off really well um, and it was just a great time uh, I, I think it's paradise up there I don't think it's a sacrifice living in that village if you ever came with me you would understand what I'm talking about but uh, just a great time anyway uh, great to be back and great to be able to share with you this morning I want to share this morning on to know Christ uh, that our main goal and, and uh, outlook should be to know Jesus. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your love and care. Just thank you for the wonderful saviour that we have and the wonderful way that you look after us and keep us. I thank you this morning that you can speak to each one of us and just draw us closer to you. Thank you for the opportunity of being able to worship you this morning and praise and just honour you for who you are. We ask that you continue to be with us and guide us in the future of this church. We pray that um, the right vote, uh, Lord, for this morning. And we thank you, Lord, that this church is in your hands. Allow this word to speak to each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read from Philippians 3, 8 to 14. This is Paul speaking at the end of his life. This is... I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is head, I press onward the goal to win the prize to which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul's goal was to know Christ. He wants the prize. He's heading towards the prize, but that's not his main goal. His eyes are not focused on that, on winning the prize so much as his eyes are focused on knowing Jesus. And that comes out a little bit more clearer in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, When I'll read that. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw up everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Back there it says in verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. You know, no matter how long we've been on the road or how long we've been a Christian, I think it's often we need to re-examine ourselves and just see where's our focus, you know, as we look at our role and we need to examine just what our goals are in our Christian life. Paul's focus and goals was to know Christ, to even to know him more, to have a greater revelation at the later end of his life. I think what a, what, what a fantastic um, thing to write, that here he is at the end of his life, and yet he's writing that he wants to know Christ and that Christ was his goal. In a football match or a race, um, if I asked you what was the goal in a football match, or what was the goal in a race? You would all reply, it's it's the try line or it's the end of the, it's the ribbon, it's the end of the race. Where are the eyes focused in a race? It's the the finish line. You don't see a person playing football, running, doing a breakaway, and then halfway down to the try line stop, and look up at the trophy, and look at the prize, and start to admire that. His eyes are on the finish line. And it's the same in a race. You know, if a guy's out winning the race, he doesn't take takes his eyes off that finish line and suddenly looks at the prize and think, gee, that, that's going to be great when I win that. That's going to be fantastic. I'm going to stand up and hold this trophy. Yeah, if that happens, suddenly everybody else has overtaken him. Paul's focus and goal was, was to know Jesus. Uh, and the same as the eyes of a sports person, it, it, it's, it's, it's on the line. We don't stop midway and admire the prize. And yet so often in our Christian life, we can take our eyes off the goal and we can put them onto prizes. Now, there are rewards of being a Christian. There are some fantastic rewards and fantastic temporary prizes that God gives us. And it, it, it really makes the Christian life worth running. Je- Jesus said that he came to give us life more abundant. And, but yet, often, we take our eyes off the finish line. We take our eyes off Jesus, and we put them on some of those temporary prizes. So right now, I want to talk about three temporary prizes. I call them temporary prizes because the eternal prize that we're heading for is, is to live with Jesus forever and yet it's so easy to take our eyes off Jesus as Paul had his eyes on that finish line which was Jesus and put them onto temporary prizes. And One of those first temporary prizes that we can get um, focused onto or get misled to is recognition and acceptance. The Bible is clear that God desires that we be the head and not the tail. There's nothing wrong with being recognised and, and accepted. We are to be the light in the, on a hill in a dark world. We are not to be hidden. Our good words, works, I should say, are to be recognised. I just went back to Papua New Guinea where I started mission work over 40 years ago and to go around to some of those isolated places that I hadn't been for a long time and to be recognised, it is good, it is good to get pulled up by the police and think you're going to get into trouble and all they want to do is thank you for being back here again and saying, hi, Grady, great to see you, Um, and things like that. There's nothing wrong with that. I believe that God wants our church to influence the community and even to be the centre. And it's good to celebrate our achievements and to honour one another. It's good when we recognise the gifts in one another, and especially treat people with respect. And I'm so thankful for the people that work so diligently behind the scenes. What makes this church work so well is the number of people that work behind the scenes that you don't see up here. And they deserve recognition. However, if we need recognition, and we're seeking that as a goal, we'll lose our way. If we must be recognised to constantly operate as a Christian or operate in this church, we're going to be so easily disappointed and disillusioned. Sometimes even others will be recognised for things that we've done. That's a good test. When somebody else gets the praise for something that you initiated or, or you started, and that happens. And if... Seeking recognition is our goal, and that happens, we're going to be totally disillusioned. It, it's naturally it's going to hurt, but if it's going to totally disillusion us, it's, it's because we've got our eyes on the wrong thing. Paul's goal was to know Christ, and that's what enabled him. That, that's what enabled him to endure so much, whether he was recognised or whether he was accepted or not. I read once that uh, if it's recognition we want, we just realise that Jesus was recognised by everyone and he was crucified. Uh, The second thing that we can get our eyes wrongly onto is results and success. Results and success are good. We need to grow. As a church, we need to grow. And we need to see new people coming into this church. We need to reach out to, uh, to people in, an, in a neighbourhood. We've been told to multiply by the word of God. We've been told to be good stewards. We've been told by the word to, to have dominion, to be fruitful. And like you, I want to see this church grow. I want to see it healthy. Years ago, I went to Papua New Guinea and under duress... Uh, I know what it's like to go into pat- on patrol into isolated villages and, and to sleep in unhospitable places. And I didn't do that for the fun and adventure of it. I did it because I did want to see results. I wanted to see people reach for Christ. But that's not the primary goal of our Christian life. Our primary goal should be to know Christ. In fact... We don't bring the increase. Our job is to plant, sow and water and it's God that gives the increase. Our first goal should be the same as Paul was and that was to know Christ. Jesus was tempted with a shortcut by Satan that if he would worship him and Jesus' reply was to that was, get behind me, Satan. Um, And the thing that I love about the life of Jesus, his primary focus was to worship and know the Father above everything else. In John 6, we can read where many followed Jesus uh, just for his miracles and results and bread. And when the going got tough, they all left. And Jesus said to even his main disciples, are you going to leave me too? And yet we've all been guilty of this. Now, One of the problems, and if I can relate it to Papua New Guinea um, the way that we've held crusades and evangelistic outreaches, we often put up you know, massive banners, come and get your healing, come and get your miracle, and everything about the draw card is come and get, come and get. And I think we've all been, we've been guilty of that here with our, in the past of, of crusades and things like that. We've come from churches where that's been held. And what happens is people come, and they make decisions for Christ. But it's, it's so superficial because all they want is something and then later on when things become tough, they fall away. Because the it's, it's, illustration we use is we, we make rice Christians out of them. That's a third world saying is that uh, they're only Christians while ever there's rice. And the moment the rice runs out, that, that they fall away. And the thing that that really brings people to, to Christ is when they come to a revelation of knowing who God is and, and being so totally transformed because they have had a relationship with Christ, not just because they've come and got something. And in a sense, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying that, but it's the way that we presented it. We, we, we presented false pictures and wonder why there's massive... Once again, I'm going to refer to the third world. We'll get thousands of people in, but a few months later, they've all dispersed and because they haven't come to know Christ. You know, there will be times in our church and daily lives when things are tough. There'll be times of dryness and there'll be times of difficulties. There'll be problems and, sorry, even personality clashes. They're unavoidable. We've only got to look at the life of Paul. He had all those things. Let's look at some of Paul's problems, just some of the difficulties that he had to face. And I was meditating on this one morning when I was doing my devotions uh, while I was in the village, and I, I just thought, you know, what made Paul tick that he could put up with all this and yet still stay focused? Let's read it. 2 Corinthians 11 from 23 to 27. This is what Paul said. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stone. Three times I've been shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger of the, in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. How you know? As I meditated on that and thought, how can you stay faithful and gone through all that? My wife and I got bashed once as missionaries from drunkards, and another time I did, but that was insignificant, nothing compared to what Paul went through. And I realised that it's that it's it's a deep knowledge of Christ. It's having a revelation of who God is that's, that's held him there. When I spoke on faithfulness uh, a couple of months ago, I spoke about a village guy, pastor, by the name of Yekasola. uh that when I first went to the area where I was a missionary, he was in a church, a village church, and every Sunday he would hit the old uh, gas bottle, or or bomb as it was, so that he'd got recovered from the Second World War and it'd make a noise like a bell. And then he would have a, a time of prayer and sing a hymn and a word. But he was the only one there. And when I visited on the Sunday morning, I said to him, I think it would be good of you if we closed down the church because you're only three Ks from the main base and you could come down there and we could any of the Christians in this area, we could get them. What had happened there was some problems had happened in the village and the whole village had virtually backslidden. And it had been that way for quite some time. And his reply to me was, no, I can't. Because the early missionaries said that I have to be faithful no matter what, I have to be. Fa- and when I saw the determination in this guy, it made me then come and put a lot of input into that village and help that guy and eventually we actually built a new church. This trip, the most healthiest church, is in that village and it was so healthy I went back a second time. It was so good to be in that place. And But what held that guy? What held this old guy that from grassroots, and I think of the old pastors that took me under their wing when I first went there being so green. And it was because they weren't bought into a, a knowledge of Christ, of give me, give me, in a sense. Uh, they didn't come in with that, that sort of a, a draw card. They had an encounter with God that changed their lives. They knew Christ. And no matter what difficult they went through, is, and they weren't looking for results, they, they were so changed by uh, having a, an encounter with Christ that they could keep on going. Matthew 7:23. Jesus refers to people who said, I did this in your name, I did that, I did this. And Jesus said to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. When you first read that, it can sound a bit harsh. But the reason why Jesus said that is those people had a wrong motive. They were doing it just straight out for success and recognition. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. We all want success and recognition. But if that's our motive, when our motive should be, I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of Christ working within me. I want to know that more than anything else. The church in Ephesus is quite a good example. That church had excellent qualities. And in Revelation um, Chapter 2, John refers to it. And it's interesting that over the years, as we look at history, it had amazing success and achievements, but it had lost their first love. Ten years ago, when I visited the site of Ephesus, it was interesting listening to the guide, uh, and she started to become critical of Paul and the Christians because it had decimated the worship of the, the, the temple. And she was blaming Christianity for the downfall of the worship uh, in Ephesus. I, I disappeared. I got all excited and started praising God, and disappeared and did my own tour. And I thought fantastic. But that church ha- had a fantastic history. But then John writes, via Jesus, directed G- uh, John to write this: "Remember the height from which you have fallen and repent." They'd lost their original love for him and the word. You know, it's so easy when we've been a Christian for a long time is to to get our focus wrongly. And this church was being challenged to put their focus back on the Lord Jesus and back on the word. If it's our desire to know and love Jesus, there will be a single heartfelt devotion and love for Christ, to know him. There'll be a love for righteousness and a love that... Both goes to him and from him. That's what'll motivate us. Paul had right goals. I'll read again from another passage in Philippians 4:11. Paul said, "I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living." In plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I believe the the, the miraculous ability that came to Paul that he could put up with that was because of his relationship with Christ. I can't can't relate to that. Even though I just spent 30 days in a village, uh, I never went hungry. Um, I still had good situations. And... As I meditate on that, I I just got to hold it up to Paul because I couldn't do what he's done. And yet he does it, uh, what he says and the way he words it is just amazing. So where did that ability come from that he could put up with whether he had plenty or whether he didn't have it, whether he had a good place to sleep or whether he didn't have a good place to sleep, he was content. He said, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. His relationship was was with Christ, was, was knowing him. It wasn't so much in wanting success, even though he did want that, but that was not his goal. It came from a right focus. And this ability to live triumphantly above changing circumstances comes from learning a dependence upon Christ and allowing his power to come through us. The last prize, temporary prize that we can get our eyes on is relationships. Relationships in the church are great. Jesus said after Paul's complaint in Mark, uh, not Paul's, Peter's complaint in, in Mark, Peter was complaining to Jesus that uh, he'd given up everything. Uh, so why, why do I got to give up more? And Jesus replied in Mark chapter 10, 28 to 31, after Peter said, we've left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, a long with persecutions, that extra bit comes on there that, that, that can be quite hard. And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. You know, I think we should seek friendships and build relationships in the church. We all need relationships. However, Jesus said there still will be persecution. He, he was going to give you friends and family and different ones. But there are going to be times of difficulty. There will be times of loneliness and difficulties, as I've already said. You will have to endure these. And sadly, there are times even in church where you're not going to have people supporting you. you know, we're, we belong to a, a big church here. And, and we're, you'd think we should be able to support everyone in a need. But we can't at times. Times will be overlooked times you'll go through a difficult situation and we should be there but we're not going to be there what are you going to do then because if your focus is on relationships that the pastor should visit me someone from the church should visit me someone should help me if that's the focus that you're on you're going to you're going to get gravely disappointed I had a major hip operation last year I'm on the church board no pastor visited me I'm still here. <laughs> I'm not, I wasn't going to say that because I didn't want it to be interpreted the wrong way. Uh, I do clarify that on the day that I was coming home, I rang Joel and I said, by the way, if you were thinking of coming and seeing me, don't worry, I'm going home today. <laughs> so, But what I'm getting at is if someone's in hospital, yes, we should visit. And, and while we have no pastor for the rest of the year, if you're, if you're in need of a visitation, you get on to Joe, and she'll make sure someone comes and sees you. Uh, and we'll do, we'll do our best. But if that's our focus, we're going to be disappointed because those needs are not going to always be met. But if, if our eyes are on Jesus, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him more than anything else. I'm not seeking recognition, I'm not seeking results, I'm not seeking relationships. You'll find that you can go through all those difficulties that Paul has has talked about. You can go through those times of loneliness and times that you feel rejected. So don't let relationships be the goal that you're here this morning. There's nothing wrong with that. I advise people, even as a young person, I used to tell people, if you you want a boyfriend or girlfriend, go to that church because it's got a, a lot of young people. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't let that be the main goal. The primary reason that we're here this morning and that we should be here every Sunday morning is we want to worship because we want to know Jesus. Let's put our eyes on him and not on the temporary prizes. The temporary prizes are good. They encourage us, they, they do keep us, in a sense, going, but that's not our goal. Ezekiel eleven nineteen, 19, uh, Ezekiel prophesied 600 years before Jesus poured out his spirit in Acts 2. He said, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. That's the spirit that we should have. God desires that we allow his spirit to work in us and give us an undivided heart that I want to know him more than anything else. A heart that makes knowing Jesus our goal. What you give your heart to is what you follow. Remember that. What you give your heart to. So, if our heart and desire, every time we come through that front door, not just through the front door, it should be 24 7 I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to understand his power working within me. I, I want that to be my goal. Not these other things that are temporary prizes. They'll come automatically. God wants a heart that is not chasing recognition, results, and success and relationship. He desires that we be set apart. And Matthew 6:33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and these things will be added unto you. You know, as we seek and know Jesus, as we know his righteousness. And peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, we will be blessed. Because we are told to seek the kingdom of God. And Romans 14, 17 says the kingdom of God is knowing Jesus, knowing his righteousness, knowing his peace, and knowing the joy in the Holy Spirit. We will be blessed. Let's stand, let's pray. Thank you, Music Team. As we, I'm going to pray, but. After that, we're going to sing a hymn, uh, I Surrender All. Um, And I wonder just where we're standing, if we can make a a decisive decision. God, I want to know you. And maybe we've allowed some of those temporary prizes that God does want to give us, but maybe we've let those temporary prizes become goals in our life. And maybe if there have been goals that... We're going to get disillusioned. We're going to get disappointed with church. But... If we put them aside and let the main goal, I want to know Jesus. I want to worship him. You'll find those other prizes will be given. i just go back and and, um, if we read in Philippians 3, Paul makes it very clear that there is a prize, but the goal is knowing God. It's knowing God. Lord, I just thank you this morning. That each one of us can just make that decisive decision that we want to give ourselves afresh to you. We want to seek you. And yes, Lord, it's so easily, easy done because we're still human, we're still flesh. We take our eyes off you and we put it onto these, can I say earthly prizes and forgive us for that. Lord, help us to focus on you. And as Ezekiel prophesied, the Lord, that you want to fill us with your spirit and give us an undivided heart, a heart that is, wants you, wants to worship you. Lord, when I think of those early pastors, how they, they gave their lives to you because they, they had a revelation of who you were. Give us that fresh revelation, Lord, that we may want to desire you and know you. We give our lives to you this morning, Lord. I give you my heart to worship you. And I just thank you, Lord, that as we seek you, that those other things will be added unto us, Lord, in your way, in your time. But meanwhile, we just want to know you. We just want to worship you. I wonder if we can all just make that recommitment. If anyone needs special prayer, you can come forward. We can pray for you. But I would just love everyone just to, to recommit themselves to the Lord and say, Lord, above everything else, you're going to be my goal. You're going to be my goal. Yes, I thank you for the prizes, but forgive me for putting my eyes on the prizes rather than keeping them on the goal, on the finish line. In Jesus' name. Amen.